what I dive in Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Where there's a will, there's a way Hello everyone and welcome to Raw Recovery with Dion Miller. Uh, today is Labor Day um, and just like any other day, we need to work on our recovery. Um, I certainly drank on Labor Day and so we need to work on, <laughs> on our recovery on these days. In fact, I think sometimes when it comes to holidays, it might be a little bit more important to maybe focus on basics. Um, and keep yourself comfortable, not put yourself in situations that are dangerous. Today, I have Robert Peasley. We call him Peasley. Um, I met Peasley last November. Gosh, and it seems like I met everybody last November. Um, and uh, I was actually going in, and you guys have heard this story before. I decided to take a recovery coach class to get out of the house and start working on getting out of my anxiety. Um, and that's why I took the class, because I knew it would be a safe place for me. Um, and Robert was our trainer, um, uh, Peasley, that's his name. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so uh, he, what we're gonna do is we're gonna sit down and talk with uh, Peasley about his story and um, get on with our Labor Day here. Hey, hey, Beasley, how have you been, man? It's good to see you. Hey, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, thanks for having me on on your podcast. Uh, it's you know, it's always a big blessing to be able to get out there and, and share stories. And you know, really, it's about sharing that experience of strength and hope, and mm -hmm. showing you know within the community, showing you know one addict that another addict or alcoholic can can recover, and that it is possible. So. Exactly. And you were sharing, you um, yeah, were sharing, oh, I think we got a little bit of a lag there. I apologize, guys. You were sharing your story yesterday, too, out in the park. Saturday. Saturday. Okay. Yep. And um, I, how yep, did that I look? Was, I was speaking at a sober living home. Okay. Oh, uh, it was good. You know, they, it was, it was for a sober living home. Um, and, uh, you know, I came and spoke to their clients and, you know, just kind of same thing, just talked about my experience, you know. For me, I, I typically focus on a little bit of what it used to be like. Uh, I don't think that all the nitty-gritty details are necessarily important, um, but just enough to give an overview of, of kind of the chaos that my life was at one point. And then I focus on Certainly. kind of what what happened in my life that, that caused my mindset to change, uh, okay. you know, telling me that I need to do something different. And then the biggest focus is on what am I doing today? You know, what does yeah. my recovery look like today? Fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, certainly. And, you know, we really only tell the first part of our stories to qualify what it is that we're going through now. Um, that and we need to kind of people need to know where, you know, where we came from. Um, so where did you grow up at, Beasley? Uh, so I'm Colorado native, uh, wow. born and raised in the Littleton, Lakewood uh, kind of metro area. Okay. <clears throat> um, so went went to Bear Creek High School, and so just kind of that's just where I grew wow. up. I've been been here my whole life. Okay, uh, Littleton. Yeah, I went to Heritage High School, so I didn't know you were that close. 
Um, you're a little bit younger than me, though. So <laughs> <laughs> I just saw I just saw today they closed Heritage down uh, due to coronavirus. So we'll see. It looks like a jail. So um, so you grew so you you grew up. How was high school and everything for you? Where well, I guess I'm trying to get to where did your drinking career start? Um, for me, it wasn't until a little bit later in life. Um, okay. you know, I would say, I would say that my addictive behavior started at a very young age. Um, All right. You know, my, my first experience was, gosh, I can't remember how old I was, but <laughs> probably, probably seven or eight. And okay. I went to King Supers and I stole my first pack of bubble gum. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so as That's innocent a start. as that seemed, yeah, that's it a is, start you know? of a of a behavior. Certainly, is, uh, is is stealing. Yes, it is. And so that that right there just shows that you know the the drugs and the alcohol, those weren't the problems of of what got me to where I was at one point. It was it was other issues. It was the mindset, and so that started very early on um, throughout high school. You know, I I drank a little bit here and there, um, but really didn't get too much into it until after high school. Um, okay. The behaviors were definitely there during high school. I mean, just very rebellious type, ditching classes, you know, not doing my homework and wanting to go do anything else other than school. Yeah. Um, so again, like my childhood growing up, the, the addictive behaviors, the mindsets were always there. There was always these underlying issues that they were there, but I didn't necessarily recognize in the time. Um, out of high school, I started, I went into the workforce. I kind of had this mentality of like, oh, I don't need college. I'm going to mm -hmm. just go straight into the workforce and start making a bunch of money. And so I, I went to work for, as a mechanic um, at an automotive dealership and met some of the other guys there in the shop and kind of befriended them. And one of those guys, well, actually two of the guys that worked there, they they were roommates, lived together. So we kind of turned their house into the the party mecca okay. for the weekend. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where where everyone would just. <laughs> so that's that's that was our spot. Every you know, it was a safe spot. We could all go there. We could drink. We could party. We could crash on the couches or the floors. Yeah. Um, you know, but even with knowing the safety of knowing we could stay there, crash out, whatever. Um, you know, that, that still wasn't enough for me because I still, you know, I still was invincible. That's what yeah. my mind told me. And so I would still, I would still drink and then drive home. And many times I would wake up next morning, not even remember driving wow. home. Wow. Uh, picked up my first DUI in 2009. Okay. Um, and that was just, that was after a couple of years of just, you know, doing that repeatedly and thinking I can get away with it. Mm -hmm. and, um, eventually it, it, it did catch up to me. Um, yeah. I also in 2000, yeah. let's see, that would have been 2000, I think in 2007, um, I picked up my first charge of distribution and okay. intent, or intent to distribute and manufacturing of, of marijuana. Okay. Um, so that's kind of like my first legal thing. Got put on probation, did everything by the books, uh, you know, did all the probation, did all the UA tests, did everything by the books. As soon as I was off paper, kind of was like, all right, let's go out. Like, I have freedom, do whatever I want. And that kind of yeah. led to, to more uh, rebellious behaviors, mm -hmm. um, which then eventually led to the DUI in 2009. Okay. Same thing, probation, do everything by the books, be completely compliant with the court systems, get off probation early, get the interlock out of my car early. I'm like, hey. 
Yeah. I got off the stuff early. Like I can go back at it. You're you made you made yourself like the Boy Scout. No wonder you could go back and because every time somebody put you in a situation to be good, you did great, man. But as soon as you and you were the Boy Scouts, so I just want people to notice how good we alcoholics are good at manipulating. That is a that is perfect. Wow. <laughs> very, very much so, you know, and and it's it was to my demise, really, um, be, because of the fact that I knew how to I knew how to play the system. I knew yeah. how to do exactly what I needed to do. But that also told me and that told the little addict in the back of my mind that that I can that what I'm doing isn't wrong, that I can always get out of it. I can always yep. get away with yep. it, mm -hmm. that the consequences weren't enough. Um, and so, you know, same thing, DUI. And then after after I got off papers for the DUI, you know, at this point my addiction had kind of escalated. It had, it had transitioned into more substances, harder substances. At this point, I was now on top of the drinking. I was I was using cocaine and and pain pills. It started with, wow. and then eventually the the pain pills um, actually transitioned into heroin. Yep. And was so then I was doing all of that, and wow, that eventually led me in two thousand. 11 uh, so i kind of had this pattern of like every two years so it's like yeah. get in trouble do two years of probation yeah. get clean or <laughs> get off paper get in trouble and you know for for about six years i was never off of paper for more than about six months at wow okay um and so you know about 2011 got caught up with charges uh, in mm -hmm. possession of schedule two narcotics <clears throat> and so at that point you know this is where this is where I started to think, okay, maybe I should change. Maybe okay. I should do something differently, but I still wasn't ready. I just started thinking about it. Okay. Um, at this point, after getting, getting those, those charges, family members, friends, loved ones started telling me like, you need to get help yep. now. Cause for a while I got away with all this and family and friends never really knew what was going on. Sure. Yeah. Um, I was able to hide it pretty well. You know, that I, I suspect that they knew something was going on, but they couldn't pinpoint what it was yeah. because I'm good at that manipulation and, and lying uh -huh. and hiding. So at this point, it, it had all been put out on the table. Um, I, you know, through a, ser a series of multiple events, friends and family caught on to exactly what I was doing. So I finally kind of put it out on the table and kind of was like, yes, this is what I'm doing. Uh -huh. um, so they were all suggesting I needed help, that I needed to seek treatment. And so I did, but the, but when I did this in, in mid kind of like fall 2011, I was doing it because they, they wanted me to, or because they yeah. thought I needed yeah. to. So put my, put myself into an inpatient treatment center. Okay. Um, I lasted 63 days in that treatment center. In that time, I also met a girl there and uh, <laughs> so rehab relationships that that, you know, highly recommended. Uh, uh, no, uh, actually not really. Uh, um, it didn't end well at all. No, we, uh, we met, we, we fell in quote unquote rehab love and we, we moved out. Uh, well, I actually got kicked out of the rehab because I, I broke too many rules, which at yeah. the time, I was like, I took an apple out of the kitchen. Like you're going to write me up for that. Yep. Looking back on it now, like it, it was a rule, and I and didn't now you it. yeah now you see why it didn't have to do with the apple. Exactly. So, um, so after I got kicked out, I relapsed. Like four, I lived in my car for four days, relapsed, and then and then I ended up driving back down to the rehab, packed all her stuff in my car, and we went and got an apartment together. Oh, straight out of rehab. So that yeah. lasted that lasted three months until I was pretty much back 
at full speed um, mm-hmm. running and, and doing my thing. And then um, she kicked me out of the apartment and, and uh, I ended up paying a lot of money actually to, cause she, we, they wouldn't take me off the lease because she didn't make enough money. Yep. So the only way for me to get off the lease was I, I paid a bunch of money to get my name off the lease. Yep. And, uh, and then three months after that. So then at the six month point, she relapsed too. So it was, it was very toxic, very unhealthy for both of us. Neither yep. one of us was in a position to be there. Um, so then that, that kind of led to me, you know, so this point that was, I had done the one inpatient treatment and then I, at this point I went on to do an outpatient program. Okay. Um, to see if, to, to see if potentially outpatient would, you know, would help. And, and this time my family was involved. So they were going to therapy sessions with me. Okay. Were, we were doing group counseling with families and, so now I had, so now because it was all on the table, I had a larger support system around me. Correct. Um, but I still at this time wasn't quite ready to make any change. So a year and a half goes by and now we're, now we're coming in 2013 and my addiction had heavily, heavily progressed where no job, no car, no yep. money, no house, family kicked me out of the house, yep. um, you know, because they didn't feel safe having me in their home. Yeah. Correct. Friend, friend. Friends would let me bounce around on their couches, you know, one night at a time at best. Yeah. Um, so it, it just became very, very stressful. And, and I remember, so kind of what happened, like this is where this is where the what happened piece comes in is that, okay. um, like in the big book, they talk about these aha moments and these yeah. burning burning bush moments. And for me, like I was still in active addiction, but I had this, this moment where I remember vividly, it was a Sunday morning and I was with a buddy of mine who I used with daily okay. and I remember having a conversation with him and I'm like, is what we're doing? Okay. Yeah. And at the time he just kind of shrugged it like, Oh, you know, meh, is what it is. Yeah. And that's yeah. me. I was like, how can a person be content? Because now I wasn't using to live. I was literally yeah. living to use. Correct. And so I thought to myself, I'm like, how can, how can somebody be okay with this? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm not just getting high to have fun anymore. I'm not just drinking to have fun anymore. I'm literally doing it to survive day and to live. day. Yeah. And I finally reached this point where I'm like, I am exhausted. I am tired. This is literally my lifestyle. Yeah. So I made a decision in that, in, in that moment where um, I was, I started making phone calls. I, cause I knew mm-hmm. I couldn't call my family for help unless I had a plan in place. My family, yep. my, specifically my dad, um, he's the kind of person that he will he will go above and beyond and do anything to help mm-hmm. you, but you, you have to have a plan. Yourself. Yep. So I called these treatment centers. I finally found a bed at a treatment center. They said, well, wow. we have an opening on Thursday, but we want you to call us every single day in case something opens up sooner. Yes. So call dad up, you know, I'm like, dad, I got this place. Um, you know, I found it. Here's what it'll cost to get me in the door. Here's when I can go in. Um, and so basically, you know, I, you know, and, and this is to where like my, my addiction has such a greater impact on okay. more than just myself because yeah. here I had a secured place. I had a safe place to go, but it was about four days, four days out that I it's could go a long there. time. Yeah. Um, 
my my dad had to take time off of work. He he took a week off of work because he didn't trust me. Hey, he yeah. didn't trust me on the streets, and he certainly didn't trust me leaving me in his house. Yep. So he had to take time a week off of work and kind of quasi work from home so that he okay. could keep his eyes on me twenty four seven from that Sunday until that Thursday when I had a bed. Great idea. <clears throat> um, and so you know, so his his agreement was he would he would put a the money to get me in the door but that wasn't the full cost of the treatment anything that was left over after that i had to figure out how to pay okay um, so he got me in the door basically dropped me off and said good luck yeah. and that that finally was what i needed because that was that finally that was that end of the line kind of that tough love kind yeah. of help yeah. instead of like okay we'll let you stay here but we're going to keep an eye on you or, or you have to check in with us daily or uh -huh. it was finally like okay Here's the front door of the treatment center. Now, good luck. With good luck. I um, love you, but I love you from over here. Yeah, exactly. And it and hurts, I, I, but we need it. I did. I absolutely needed that because I finally was like, this. It started this process. It, yeah. I didn't recognize yeah. it right away, but it started this process of, oh wow, my family is like done with me. Like, yeah. I don't, you know, they don't know what to do with me anymore. So I went into treatment. And I finally went in there and I said, I'm going to do 30 days because it was a 30 day program. And I said, I'm, I'm committed to the full 30 days. I'm here for it. Obviously my ways aren't working. So what ended up happening was I only did 21 days. And the reason okay. for that is, is my counselor suggested that he, okay. and even though I fought him on it and he goes, Oh, you know what? You're right. You're right. He's like, you're still in control. You, you know what you're doing. <laughs> so go ahead and do the 30 days. And I, and I was like, Oh man, he's, he's calling me out. And, yep. Sure and, uh, is. He goes, he goes, here's what I'm going to tell you, and you can do with it what you want. He goes, the money, he's like, your cash pay, so the amount of money you're going to spend for one additional week here, you could put towards three months on sober living. He goes, yeah. I think you're ready for sober living, but uh -huh. you do you. And so I like, you know, I, I had to, I had to like still pretend like I was in control and like, and, and whatnot. Sure. And finally, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I had to break that ego because it was my ego telling me uh -huh. that, like, no, I'm doing, I'm here for 30 days. And, um, you know, one of the things he said to me, he goes, but isn't that why you're here in the first place is because you keep listening to yourself. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> what a great counselor. So, oh, he's amazing. <laughs> yeah. He's, he did, he did a lot for me. And, um, yeah. So what happened was, so I, I, did, I was like, okay, you're right. So I, I called a few sober livings did a couple tours and okay. finally found a sober living that I, I felt comfortable with. And I landed my feet there after 21 days. And okay. that very first night in sober living, I was in a brand new house that yeah. I didn't know. I was Scary. around people I didn't know. And I'll tell you what, in three years, that's the best night of sleep I've had for the last three years. Really? Wow. Um, that's and, awesome. Uh, and I, I chalked that up to, you know, treatment center, I was still coming off the drugs and alcohol. I was still drawing. Okay. Um, I was still very sick for the, those sure. first couple of weeks and things. Um, obviously, before I went into treatment, I was, you know, bouncing from couch to couch and mm -hmm. things like that. And what happened was that that first night in sober living, I finally felt like I was back out in the community, but I was in a place where I was finally surrounded by people who might understand me and that I was yeah. comfortable. Yeah, you felt, you um, felt safe. I did. I yeah, and I'm and I'm noticing something here too, that even though you were going through all of that stuff every two years that was happening, it gave you the knowledge that you needed so that when you decided that day with your friend, you knew what you needed to do. And that is really cool. I call that ruining somebody's drinking career. 
<laughs> Mine was That's definitely awesome. ruined. So, um, yeah. So from that point on, you know, I, I, I finally went in with this mentality that, you know, I'm done driving this, this boat because, um, obviously my ways just kept ending me up back in the same places around the same people doing the same things. And so I went into sober living, you know, I, I signed this contract that said, you know, you have a curfew, you have to do a chore and uh -huh. all these things. And, and there was even like in the contract, there was even the word rule was yeah. in there multiple times. And I looked at that and I, I, what I did was I changed my mindset. I said, mm -hmm. instead of reading that as the word rule, I'm going to read that as the word tool. Yeah. So these are tools to live, not rules to live. Nice. Um, because I, I no longer knew how to function as a member of the community. I didn't know how to live a civilized life. I, yeah. All I knew how to do was get up and figure out my hustle to get my drink and drug. Mm -hmm. Um, so with that mentality, I went into it and I just said, you know what? I'm here. Like, this is my life right now. Why, why fight the process rather yeah. than I can embrace it and run with it? Yep. And so that, you know, it, it helped me get through, get through that. And I, I ended up spending 26 months living in sober living. Wow. Two years. Six, six months into sober living or into living there. I was about six months sober. The sober living I was in, they came to me and they, they recruited me. They wanted me to come work for them. They were a fairly new company and they were growing and expanding and they okay. offered me a, a job. Wow. And I was, I was beyond myself. I didn't know what to do. Like I'm, I'm a mechanic, sure. uh, auto mechanic by trade. Um, I've done a lot of other trades, but I'd always fall back on mechanicing because I had the tools, I had the skills, I had the knowledge. Mm -hmm. So mechanicing was kind of like a drug for me in the sense that I can always run back to it when I yeah scared. Um, and so at the time <clears throat> I was working in a, in a mechanic shop and when they approached me and I, I had to kind of, at the time I had to talk to my sponsor. I talked to my family. I talked to my yeah. friends. I weighed out the options. And when I told my boss at the shop that I was going to probably be leaving and, and he knew I was in sober living. In fact, a couple other guys from my sober living house all worked at the same shop. Yeah. He was very familiar with it. So I went to him and I said, well, here's awesome. the thing. My sober living offered me a job. And like the next day he calls me in his office and he, and he puts this piece of paper on the table and I was like, what's this? And he, He's like, just look at it. Yeah. He offered me a very healthy salary. Yeah. Um, basically, and offered to make me assistant general manager of the shop. Wow. Um, and this was just was to keep me there. And I was yeah. like, I was like, that's pretty cool. And I that went back feels to nice. <laughs> it was. So I went back to the owners of the sober living and I said, so my boss just offered me this. And their response <laughs> was, do we want you to come work for us and be part of our program? Absolutely. But do we want you to do what's going to be better for you and what you believe more in? Mm -hmm. We want that more. And yep. I was like, well, that doesn't help me. I was like, I was like, you're supposed to tell me. And <laughs> so I, I waited out and I, and I got to thinking, I'm like, I'm six months sober. What, what I'm being offered for as an AGM and the amount of money, that's the highest amount of money I've ever been offered for any job in my life at that point. Okay. And I realized that that absolutely scared me. Yeah, um, I, I don't sure did. to me. It felt uncomfortable yeah. to make that kind of money that yep. early in recovery mm -hmm. uh, uh, because I knew how thrifty I was in, in acquiring money and acquiring things. So if I just have money, I'd be like, mm. yeah, also, also go stepping outside of my comfort zone and doing something, you know, exactly. I, I can admire a good challenge mm -hmm. and that's what this new job opportunity was. And 
So I, I decided to turn down the, the AGM position and I went okay. to Silver Levine having no idea. And this is where <laughs> I, growing up, my, my friends always referred to me as like the Dr. Phil of our friend group. Okay. So I, just, I can I just see that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just always had this passion for helping people. But the uh -huh. difference between when, when I was younger growing up and now is that when I was younger growing up, I was great about helping other people, but I never helped myself. Yeah, um, I, I always put myself on the back burner at the expense of helping all my friends and other people and helping them through their their troubles. So now I'm in a position. So when I got offered this this position for the sober living, I felt like I was in a place where I had done some work on myself. I had built some more solid foundation under my own feet. And now I was in a position to continue helping myself and also mm -hmm. maybe contribute to helping someone else. Yep. Wow. And so I, I loved it. I immediately fell in love with this, this industry and working in this field. It's just something, you know, even as a mechanic, I love, I love turning wrenches. I love working on yeah. cars. There's something about it that still just feels like that clock punching nine to five. Yeah. Job. That mentality. Um, when I started working in this field, I, it, it became a passion. Like I could put in a 10, 14 hour day, six mm -hmm. days a week and, I still felt accomplished. And yes, I was at, by the end of the week, I was exhausted. I was tired. Sure. I was ready to, to hit the sack, but I felt, I still felt accomplished and I didn't uh -huh. feel burnt out. For and so I kind of started to realize that this is where, this is where I need to be. Um, I need to be in this field. Um, so I, I, I was blessed with the opportunity to work with them and, and be their program manager for a little over two years. And then at which point I decided I wanted I wanted a little bit more, so I stepped away and went to work for a treatment center okay. um, because I wanted to pursue my addiction counseling certifications. Wow. Okay. Um, so th this opened up a new life lesson, which, mind you, at this point, I'm now pushing three years sober Okay. Um, when I went to work for this treatment center, and I learned a big lesson there. I worked for them for just about a year, and I went there with the intention to, you know, they had, they even had an incentive program where they would pay for the addiction certifications and okay. commit so much time to them and whatnot. So they had this incentive program. Well, three months into working there, they were they were growing and they were, they created some new management roles, and they came to me about taking on one of these new management roles where essentially. I was going to be the the manager of the entire behavioral health tech department. Wow. I had 16 employees that I was directly responsible for. Okay. And of course my mind said, Oh, promotion, big raise. I knew yeah. taking. Um that year I worked for them, I didn't take a single addiction counseling class. Okay. Um so what I what I learned from that was working, having a sponsor, working through the steps, and and doing these things to contribute to my recovery. It kind of helped me see all this because you know it's not like for me it wasn't like okay I got through the steps and I'm fixed. Yeah, it's an ongoing process. So, it is. Um, I I've done the steps two and a half times, and I and I say that because that that half time I got fired by my sponsor because I became complacent. Okay. Um, so it just shows that just getting sober doesn't take away all those things. Um, Correct. I, kind of, I hit yeah. this this period in my recovery and in my life and in my career where I felt comfortable. I felt like everything was on a good track. So I felt mm -hmm. like I didn't need to keep doing the work. I mean, I was, you know, there was some things I was doing, but I just wasn't working. With uh, yeah. It was fairly lighthearted probably. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, he was like, well, here's the thing. He goes, I got other guys that, that want me to sponsor them and, and they're willing to put in the work. And he's like, you're just, you're sitting on it. 
Yep. And, um, and I was like, you know, so that, that kind of opened my eyes. And so it was really unique because I, I took this promotion. I took the raise. I took on this new role at this, at this treatment center. Okay. And, and then like, and then a few months later, I started questioning myself about it. I'm like, I'm not happy. Like I'm making pretty good money. Uh-huh. I'm comfortable. Like I got a roof over my head. I got a car. I got friends. Like I'm, I'm doing well in my life, but I'm, but why am I not happy? Yeah. So I had to do some work around myself again. So now here at this point, I'm, I'm about four years sober at this point. And uh-huh. yep. I'm questioning myself, like I'm, I'm doing all the things. Why am I not happy? Why do I not feel satisfied? And I learned in that experience that one of the things that I'm really good at, but it's also a character defect, mm-hmm. is I'm good at climbing those corporate ladders. I'm good, okay. at, I'm good at getting to the top. I'm good, I'm good at getting what I want. Let's put it quickly, that. quickly. And yep. by doing that, I again I put myself on the back burner. I didn't do what I went there to okay. do. Um, yeah, because I saw money, I saw opportunity, I saw being able to climb that ladder and. So I made a decision and I reached out to, uh, I had a good friend who owned the treatment center and, and, uh, known him for a few years. And I was like, Hey, you got anything available? And he goes, all I have is a support staff. And perfect. And I was like, cool. When can I come down and interview? So I remember the, the gentleman who was interviewing me was going through my, my resume and everything. And he goes, program manager of sober living, PhD uh, <laughs> manager of a treatment center. He's like, why do you want to come? Why do you want PhD? this? Yep. He's like, why do you want to, this is the bottom of the totem pole. He's like, why are you stepping backwards? My response was, I'm not stepping backwards. I'm stepping to the side. And by yep. that, I mean, I'm stepping to the side of myself and I'm getting mm. out of my own way. Yep. I said, I went to that other treatment center to, to work on my addiction counseling. And I took a promotion really early on and I put it all on the back burner. I said, so I'm here to do this so I can get out of my own way and let my own, Yep. My own goals catch back up to me. Mm-hmm. And his jaw just kind of drops and he looks at me and he's like, I, I don't think I've ever heard a better answer for that. And yep. he goes, that's that's awesome. So I, I did. I, so I went, went to work for that treatment center. I worked as a sports staff for about a year. Okay. And then um, and then I uh, com- in that year, I completed both my addiction counseling level one and level two. Yep. And then I also mm-hmm. got introduced to the recovery coaching thing. And so I, I went and took the training. Okay. I realized right off the bat, I'm like, this is me. Like, yeah. This is, um, <laughs> even more so than a counselor. I said, coaching, like, this is what I love doing. Yep. Oh, despite having paid all the money, taken all the money for the CAC classes, um, taken all those classes, done all that, I made a decision not to register with the state as a registered counselor. Wow. Because for okay. me, um, the coaching aligned more with my values. Okay. Now the reason the reason I knew this was, you know, through working with the sponsor and, and mm-hmm. for me too, like so at a certain point, like I started out in the twelve steps, like I said, I've, I've done them like two and a half times. Uh-huh. Uh, but then the, the thing is is then I realized I needed more. So I started seeking other avenues to to complement my recovery. And it wasn't yep. about replacing the twelve steps. It wasn't about Correct. replacing sober living. It was all about how can I layer mm-hmm stack you know i have a single cheeseburger right now how do i get that into like a triple stacker you know um and i just want to put more this opened my eyes to a lot more and then the coaching really opened my eyes to this all pathway thing and it's really about how much can we layer on and so it was it was pretty cool that i did that because i realized that coaching is where i wanted to be or that mm-hmm. was more like what how i wanted to operate so I still, at that point, I think I had two classes left to take for the CAC level two. And I said to myself, I said, well, I've already started. 
and committed, I'm still going to finish the classes and get yeah. everything in line yeah. because maybe down the road I'll want to do the counseling and then all I have to do is go back and take the test and apply for the license. Um, you know, why give up now? Because that's what I did in my addiction. I would fall short and give up on things, you know, all the time. Okay. Um, and so I made that commitment because for me, it wasn't a commitment for anybody else. I wasn't committing to anybody. I was committing to me. Yeah. And that's where I started to learn my self-worth. Correct. In, in working with a sponsor, in working, I worked with a recovery coach for a little while. Like I, I had a coach for a little while. And then, in the I, you know, I've had three different 12-step sponsors. And when working with all these people and, and getting connected to this community, I started to realize where my actual values were because I, I had done that work around myself, you know, yeah. going to the meetings daily. I mean, early in my recovery, you know, I did, I think I did 137 meetings or something, I don't, 130 something meetings yeah. in like 110 days. Uh-huh. So there was days I was doubling up and things. And, and it's because these were, you know, it was told to me like do 90 meetings in 90 days, get a sponsor, you know, get a sponsee. Um, you know, just keep doing these things. And so I took all these suggestions and, and by doing all that work, I started to recognize these things. And so as I started to realize where I wanted to be, I started recognizing my goals. Okay. I, I want to do this. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And I grew up racing motocross um, okay. and Enduros. Like I, I grew up racing dirt bikes. So I have this just, I'm, I'm, I'm big adrenaline guy. Like I love the adrenaline. I love, okay. and I've also had this like competitive nature. So like, it's always about like how quickly can I get to things and yeah, you know, kind of like that lesson I learned at that other treatment center. I raced through it. So now I'm at a point where I've, I've, I've learned to slow my role. In fact, I've, yeah. I've been turned down opportunities that turned down other promotions and, and it was in recognition of, and I need to make sure that I'm staying with a line or in alignment with my values. Yeah. I'm going to, Beasley, I'm just going to jump in real quick. Um, Turn off your video. Uh, And then when you do that, go ahead and continue. Then sound will be a little bit better. There we go. I kind of lost you through all that. All I heard was Sam would be better. Um, Pause your video. All right. A little bit of technical difficulty there. All right, Beasley, go ahead. Thank you, guys. I don't know. Got gotta love that technology, you know. But yeah. hey, in in today's in today's world, we just we we adapt and we overcome, right? That's it. That's life on life's terms. What could I do about it? Nothing. Exactly. So. Nothing. We just you just make do with what you got. So. <laughs> That's it. Um. But yeah, you know. So. Um. You know. So really, what what happened, like in all of this, is is through all these experiences, one of the biggest things that I've learned is that I am I am a constant work in progress. Uh-huh. Um, you know, no matter how stable I feel my recovery is, there's always more I can do to support that recovery. Mm-hmm. And that's important for me to recognize and remember, because for me, that, that little addict and alcoholic in the back of my mind is just waiting for me to be weak. Like he's back there lifting weights, mm-hmm. just waiting for me to have that moment of weakness before he just, you know, yep. jumps in unannounced. Yep. <laughs> so, um, 
you know, and so, yeah, it's, it's just been great, you know, and, and the biggest, one of the biggest things that I have in my life today is that I have the gift of choice. Yep. When, when, when I was in my active addiction, technically, yes, I, I had the choice to, you know, I was choosing to do what I was doing, but my mind had convinced me that I didn't have the choice that I had mm-hmm. to wake up. I had to get that drink. I had to get that drug. Um, it, you know, the, the addiction was controlling my life. And so today with a, a clear head, with an amazing network of support of people for support around me mm-hmm. uh, with the community that I've built and become part of, I have that gift of choice, you know, and, yeah. and I say it's a gift because I don't believe that I, that it's not a right for me to have that, that power of choice, but it's, it, it's a privilege. Like I've earned it. I've worked for it. And that's why it's a gift. I've put in the work to mm-hmm. get to that point. Um, that's fantastic. And, you know, it's, it's afforded me, my recovery has afforded me many opportunities. Uh, you know, in, in the last two years, I've become a recovery coach trainer. I have uh-huh. also become a recovery coach supervisor. And, um, you know, and so I've done all these different things. It allowed me to start my own business, uh-huh. gave me the, um, afforded me the opportunity to do that. And, and all of these things, I stayed within this, this community and this industry. And I love it because, you know, I, I joke with people all the time and, and, and in, your, in a typical or, you know, what society would consider a standard nine to five office job. Yeah. You know, typically you're not there laughing and having a great time with your coworkers. You're like, yeah. it's all about nine <laughs> o'clock. It's business and it's business until five o'clock. That's right. Um, I feel like in, in this industry, I get to be more of myself. I get mm-hmm. to be more genuine. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm not showing up in a suit and tie and, and be pretending to be somebody that I'm really not just for a paycheck. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I got to just, just be me and show up. And uh, I kind of view it as, is the work that I'm doing today is that if I can, if I can say or do or contribute towards something, even remotely helping one person for one more day, then I've done my part. Yep. Um, because I, I can't just like nobody could fix me. Like I can't fix anyone. I can't solve their problems. But my, but I can hope that I, I'm contributing towards them finding their that direction. Yeah, pointing them in the right direction. Yeah, setting setting themselves up to succeed, um, instead of setting ourselves up to fail. So, but it sounds like, you know, with all with all that, it sounds like you found a nice balance in there. You know, of, of it. Well, it's not like you 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 learned a big lesson not to rush through everything. Because you're one of those guys, yeah. You know, as alcoholics, we tend to strive pretty quickly. Uh, in re- once we get into recovery, we get our minds back. We we can strive. We're actually very very smart people, um, and once we're doing the right things, we can be highly successful. Um, but you you know you hit a point in there, and I kind of feel that just like as you're growing up, you know, we finally get to a point in our lives where we stop blaming our parents for who we are. Same thing in the program. We get to a point where we realize that the 12 steps are awesome, but there's more. There's so much more. There's different ways of path to recovery. I'm I'm an aa for life. I'm probably going to hit a noon meeting today, but AA is not the only way. Um, you know, and for us to say that it is, would I think would be pretty selfish. You know? um, there are different routes to recovery. 
<laughs> Speaking of which, we're going to do a little plugging now. Peasley runs uh, route, route to Recovery Sober Living. That was my very good leeway, um, and it was lucky. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your sober living? Yeah, thanks, Dion. I, I love that segue. That was that was well played. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, dig, I dig that. Um, yeah, so, you know, as I mentioned a little bit ago, you know, my recovery and things I've done has afforded me these opportunities, and one of which was um, ever since I worked for the – the sober living that I was living in, um, I I found this passion there. Because for me, like treatment was great. It was this bubble that I needed. But sober living, when I went, when I lived in sober living for two years, that was finally like, okay, here's the world. You're free to go do your thing. But like, yep. we're still going to hold you accountable for your actions. Yep. And that is where I really grew up because I had to go get a job. I had to learn to start paying my own rent again. And I had to, you know, save up for a car and, and I, I really had to grow up there and I, I just know what it did for me. And I wanted, I, I knew that I wanted to be able to provide that opportunity for others at some point. And, um, you know, for a while I didn't do much on it because that was part of like going and getting my addiction counseling certifications, getting my recovery coach certifications. Uh-huh. I wanted to, I wanted to develop more self-education for myself before jumping into starting a business. Um, okay. Cause I, I wanted to make sure that I had more education for myself so that I could create a more um, all encompassing program. Okay. Cause okay. that was my goal to do. Um, Fantastic. And so, so luckily you know, so I was working for that, that second treatment center for two years. Um, after I was doing the support staff, I did case management for them for about a year and then I, um, last June, June of last year, I stepped away from them. And July 1st, I opened the doors to route to recovery, sober living. Right on. We're located in, we're located in Lakewood, Colorado, um, near the, the Belmar shopping area. Mm-hmm. So we are an all pathway sober living. Uh, and what that means to us is that we're, we don't require you to be working a 12 step program specifically we don't require okay. you attend 12 steps specific meetings okay we do however we do require that you are okay. working a program so you have to yes. you have to be able to demonstrate to us that you are attending recovery meetings whatever that looks like for you okay um, that you are working with some form of a guide so that okay. might be a sponsor if you're in the 12 steps a recovery coach if uh-huh. you're doing you know all recovery or celebrate or something um, a spiritual mentor, uh, okay. that, you know, like would, um, depending on if that's more your, your direction, if you want to lean harder towards faith or, you know, the spiritual side of things, as long as sure. you have somebody who's that spiritual mentor for you, that's helping guide you. Um, it, we kind of view it as it's our job to educate, uh, educate the individuals on all the different pathways and programs and then yep. support them in the ones that they choose. Yeah. And I think that is so. Um, we, we, so we do require doing lag, guys. Sorry about that. I was just saying it's it's neat because Colorado is really <laughs> becoming. Yeah, we got lag. You guys will have to deal with it. It's all right. If you don't like it, write a four step. Um, it's important that there's all these different ways because we are uh, different. We're unique, and what might be comfortable for me might be uncomfortable for somebody else. And that person deserves the respect and the time and the knowledge, no matter what they decide to do. Agreed, Dion. That's, that's extremely well said, man. I, I really appreciate that. Cause you know, it's, 
especially the coaching when I got in the coaching lane, it really opened my eyes to all these things. Like I've always been, I feel like I've always been a pretty open-minded person. Sure. Uh, when I went, when I took originally took the training for the recovery coaching, I realized I was not nearly as open-minded as I thought I was. Agreed. Um, and that, that was, that was great because, um, you know, so it opened my eyes some more. And so I, I really wanted to create the sober living that I wasn't here to tell you what kind of meetings to go to or how to work your program. Mm-hmm. I was here to, you know, I want to be here to support you, just support you and, and, and tailor it to the individual. And yeah. You know, so we do require doing, we do require the 90 and 90, and then we require four meetings a week after that. You know, we've got a curfew. Uh, each person has a chore to do each day. We do a deep clean once a month. Um, and, you know, we try to engage this summer. It's been a little more difficult because of COVID and uh-huh. and the, the health, you know, concerns and things. But we try to engage with other sober livings as often as possible. Um, you know, Certainly. last year we, we partnered with a couple of sober livings and did Christmas party with them. We, yeah. in January, uh, several, several sober living owners all got together and we collectively bought out the entire show to a, a sober comedian who came through wow. Denver. And then we just dispersed the tickets amongst all of our clients. And, yeah. um, you know, cause I really, we really believe in that. It's not just about get up, go to work, go to a meeting, talk to your sponsor or, or your recovery coach, Correct. come home, go to bed and repeat. You know, it's not, recovery isn't just about recovery, right? It's not just about right. the, reco- the specific recovery related things. It's about what makes you tick as an individual. Yep. What makes you happy? What can bring you passion and joy? And, yeah. and how can we help you find that? Yeah. Um, you know, I more quite, so you know, that's, that's kind of our, our mentality is, is, there's a, when not, uh, I was lagging and I was just saying, you know, it, you know, I have guys that, you know, want to golf. So, you know, I help them find other, I, I help them find other golf people. But I think you brought up something really important. And this is something that I don't know that people exactly realize. Our sober livings in Colorado are not in competition. And um, even on my podcast here, I had what I would consider my competition on my show last week. I'm going on his show. This is a we thing. And the moment we start division and work against each other is the moment we'll go downhill. This is, if we're doing this, this is a we program. Okay. So there is no competition amongst sober living. Trust me. There's plenty of people. There's plenty of clients. (laughs) So. Absolutely. I agree, Dion. So fantastic. Well, you go ahead. This is your show. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, so it's just those are kind of some of the things that we do because it, it opens more doors. It opens more opportunities. And and it shows people that, you know, because I was the kind of person that, like, I, I'm, I'm all in. Like, I'm always all or nothing yeah. no matter what I'm doing. And so, like, when I got – when I was in early recovery, first out of treatment, early in sober living, that's all I did. And, and it was great. Like, for me, that's what I needed at the time. But also, that's not going to be every every person's story. And yeah. so, you know, that's I said, eventually I got to a point where I needed something more than just my recovery work. Yeah. I needed other things to support that. And so that's our biggest philosophy is like, it's just, it's our goal just to show things that are possible and like things that you could do while being sober. Mm-hmm. And if you want to partake in them, cool. And if not cool, like, you know, maybe yeah. the next thing we do will be for you. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's a, I, I support uh, Duke Rumley over at uh, Sober AF. 
and they do a lot of concert stuff. It's not my music, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to support it. There's plenty of people I know it is their music, you know, so that doesn't mean I won't show up, have fun, things like that. So, um, Peasley, thank you so much for coming on, spending your time on Labor Day weekend while everybody else is camping. Oh, not this weekend. It's too smoky. But, uh, um, and, and spending your time with us. Um, I think you said, I think you said something, you know, I wanted to be more than just my story. Um, I wanted to be, you know, we get to a place where we may realize, especially men, is this all I'm going to do with my life? Is this how I'm going to be remembered? As men, it's important for us to have a living legacy um, that's kind of instilled in us. So we can utilize that and we can take it and use it for, for the good in our life and show people what our intentions are and show people and, and just be the example of what other people would want to be. So that's my Jerry Springer quote for today. <laughs> Fantastic. So, uh, Beasley, you want to give out your phone number before we wrap up? Yeah, so my for Route to Recover Sober Living, um, I can be contacted or reached at 720-422-0492. You can also check out my website at www.route, the number two, recoveryservices.com. And that, that lists all the different route to recovery services.com with a two. Yeah. Don't spell out the two. So it's Don't route. Spell two. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you for spending your time with us. I look forward to uh, seeing you around. We got big things coming up in Colorado. There always are, man. Um, we do. And for anybody out there listening, if you need a recovery coach, you need help looking for sober living, um, give Peasley a call. He'll be able to help you out. Thank you, everybody, for being here, taking your time. Um, I hope you stay sober today. I love you guys. You know I do. Peace out and have a day. Have a good one.